that's one way to start the morning. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everybody. The morning came early. Earlier than we had planned. I, I, I think it was Nitten that sent out, uh, sent, he, he found this little uh, picture that said that only Americans think that cutting off the top of the blanket and re-sewing it at the bottom makes it any longer. <laughs> All right, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke 6. Uh, we're on, chap we're on uh, chapter 6, lesson 6 of Consider Christ. And today we're going to be looking at considering his lordship. Lordship. Uh, today, uh, let's go ahead. Lord, uh, Luke 6, verse 39 is where we're going to start. Verse 39. And he spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how, can, either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out that mote in, that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out the... Cast out first the beam that out of thine own eye, and thou shalt, then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the, of an, wow, having trouble with my tongue this morning. It's got to wake up too. Uh, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built, which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And, then when, the, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation build an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Consider his lordship. In today's text, our main, our main point that I want to look at is verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Sadly, we live in a society that more so around Christians, we call him Lord. We, we pray and we say, Lord, please do this. And, and we call him Lord. And a lot of times people start their prayers, Lord. But sadly, they don't follow what he's taught them. And like Jesus says here, 
why, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In Bible-believing Baptist churches, it, it seems to be most prevalent that we have a lot of people that call themselves Christians, that call themselves, uh, that are here Sunday morning, but when they go home, they live a different way. They, they hear the preaching of the Word of God, and they don't like what it says, and they don't want to do what that says, and so they just live their own life. Uh, and when we disagree with the Word of God, we're basically saying, God, I, I've got a better idea. My, my way is better than your way. Uh, godly Christians are under that authority of this Word of God. And under the authority of Christ, there's three ways I want to look at through this long passage here in uh, chapter 6. Uh, three ways that we can express submission to the leadership of the Lord, uh, to Christ. Uh, and, and honestly, it's, it's very important for our, our Christian life that we submit to the Word of God, that we submit ourselves to Christ and what he has for us, and especially not be, as the Bible said there, ye hypocrites, when we call him Lord. Let's pray and we'll get into this lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much this morning for uh, being able to be in your house. Thank you for uh, waking us up this morning, and I pray that you uh, be with the lesson this morning, and uh, may your name be lifted up, and that we uh, realize the, the importance of uh, that position, that, that title of being Lord in our life. I pray that we uh, not just say it with our mouth, uh, but that we move our hearts to action. I pray that you be glorified through it all, though. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I want to look at in, in expressing that submission is following the Lord. Obviously, you, you've got to follow verse 39. There in chapter 6, he starts it with, And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. The lead, to lead otherwise, if, if you don't know where you're going, how are you supposed to lead somebody else? It, it, it's what the Bible is talking about. If a blind man says to another blind man, I got you, let's go, down the stairs. Well, it's not just going to be one blind man falling down the stairs. It's going to be two people falling down the stairs. Uh, to lead others wisely, we have to realize that our weakness as humans is that we're blind. Without the word of God, we're blind. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him, laid on him the iniquity of us all. And although we're blind spiritually, God gave us a light to be able to clearly see our path. The Bible says there in Psalms, we know it as you grew up learning it in Sunday school. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 30 in, that, in 119 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Sadly, today, Christians don't, don't use the lamp. And so they just, they just figure, well, I got it on Sunday. 
it's like a, I don't know if you've ever, we you went camping in at night, you, pitch black outside, you're out camping and stuff, and you spin somebody around and around and around in circles, and then you shine a flashlight on them real quick. And it's like, you know, when you first see that light, it blinds you, and then you're, you're dealing with being, you know, after you spin around and around and around, you're dealing with trying to walk straight, but now that you're blinded even more, it was a game we always played. We all lived, surprisingly. And that's why I have glasses, probably. But it's one of those things where if we don't have the Word of God in our life every single day, how are we supposed to walk? If, if we expect, shined it on Sunday, all right, I, I got it for the week. And then you start walking, well, the light goes out. And the further you get away from the source of the light, it gets dimmer, it gets darker. Same thing with the Word of God. If, if all you're doing is expecting your Bible reading habit, your, your food for the week to come on Sunday, by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're getting hungry and you're not being able to see as well. Sad thing, though, is it's not just the Christians in the church, it's those that are leading at the pulpit that are the same way. A lot of them don't even read the Word of God and have the lamp to be able to guide somebody else. And that's what Jesus is saying is the blind are leading the blind. We have a lot of churches today that a man gets up front called a pastor, has no idea what this says. He's trying to lead a people, lead a flock. It's the blind leading the blind. 1 Timothy 1, 6 through 7 says, From which some having swerved, eh, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling or foolish questioning, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. They, these people want to be pastors. They, they want to have that position. They have no idea what the Word of God says. They're blind to it themselves, but they want it so bad that they're going to put themselves in that position. And then now we have followers of somebody that doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know what the Word of God says. And we have the blind leading the blind. These blind leaders are bad, but the problem is we have blind followers. We, we as sheep just follow. We're very good at following. That, that's, that's the bad part about sheep. If, if they find an opening in the fence, it's not one that found it gets to get out. It's all of them. One follow, starts it, and then the rest all follow with them. And now you have to go find all the sheep instead of just finding the one. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their hearts, their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Everywhere you go, there's an internet preacher. There, there's preachers all over the place that are leading people astray. And the bad thing is we as followers are blind just following. 
We're not, we're not as, Ber- as they said in Bereans, that are there searching the scriptures to see if it were so. Uh, thank you, thank you, Paul, for that message. I'm going to go home and study what you just preached and told me to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. If, if, if they did that for Paul, for the disciples, how much more should we be doing that for those that weren't literally walking with Christ? We, we have to be careful. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, Be followers of me, and here's the catch, though, even as I am of Christ. If, you're, if your leader is not following Christ, you shouldn't be following that leader because that leader is going to send you in a direction out of the fence, not able to uh, lead just because you hold a position. But the other thing is our goal should be because Jesus is our goal. We desperately need the Lord in every, everything we do. Uh, we, we need to follow the Lord because that's our goal, is to be more like him, to be holy, to, be, to work towards that. Uh, Luke 6.40. Uh, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. The word perfect there means mature. And, and it's saying that it's not the, that person that is perfect or mature is not replacing his master. It's as his master. You're becoming more like your master. And that's what Christ, that's the whole point of Christ living the way he did was to be an example for us so that we can be more mature and grow and be more as our master. Uh, just like uh, when pa- Apostle Paul said, I said that in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That, that idea is, as also I am of Christ. Again, if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. He made sure they understood that, yes, I might be an apostle, but it doesn't matter. If I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. Just because I have the title apostle doesn't mean anything unless I'm following Christ. Same thing with today's churches. Just because somebody stands behind here and is called the pastor, unless he's following what the Word of God says and what the Word of God preaches, and he follows that with his own life, he's not fit to lead anybody. And we shouldn't just follow somebody just because they hold a position. A small town pastor wrote this about realizing the influence they have and we all have on people. As a young pastor, I worked at a feed processing plant in Salina, Ohio. Each night when I went home, my boys would look at me and say, boy, dad, you sure are dusty. I grumbled within myself, but smiled at them and said, yeah, I sure am dusty. On a Saturday morning, I started washing my car. As I did this, my oldest son, four years old at the time, began to pick up small stones in the driveway and rub them all over his pants. I asked, what are you doing? He said, I want to be dusty like you, Dad. And at that time, I realized 
that if a son would look up to his father for being dusty, he would look up to his dad for anything. That's a responsibility that we have as moms, as dads, as people that have influence on people. They watch you. They watch us. Whether they're young kids or they're young Christians, they watch us to see how we live, how we react, and how we can have that influence to lead them to have Christ as their Lord. The second thing I want to look at, if we, if we want to lead the way Christ would, we have to walk humbly, in humility. Uh, you're there in uh, verse 41 of chapter 6. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou, hast thy, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. The biggest reason why a lot of us and a lot of Christians refuse to give Christ lordship of their, of their life is pride. We see here when it talks about a man that has a beam in his eye. Okay, so a mote. Not, not, not the big water thing that goes around a castle. A moat at this time period is talking about a speck of dust or a piece of straw. Piece of straw. Beam. I, I don't, you can't even see beams because they're usually above the found, under foundation. They're huge. And yet it talks about I'm going to find that one speck of dust or speck of straw in somebody else's life when I have something so blatantly obvious, I'm going to forget about it. I, I, I don't need to take care of myself. I need to take care of those. I got to fix your small little problem instead of fixing my own issues. Humility is not critical. Uh, uh, the Word of God makes it clear that true humility is not critical of others before taking care of yourself. Not, it, notice it, it doesn't, and a lot of people like to use this as, see, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk, you shouldn't, you know, criticize somebody. You shouldn't uh, go after somebody's sin or tell somebody that they're sinning because you got to deal with your own stuff. Yes, somewhat, but the Bible doesn't say that after you take care of your own thing, that's it. The Bible says, why are you, take care of yourself? Thou hypocrite, verse 42 in the end, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. It's not there to say, don't, don't tell me about my sin. You worry about yourself. Don't worry about, uh, you, have no, uh, you have no right to criticize me. But the Bible doesn't say you should criticize. No, the Bible says that when you see sin, call it sin and point it out. Because being a brother should be somebody that helps somebody else overcome sin. If you see a fault in somebody, it's not to 
you know, kick them when they're down. It's to help them clean up so that, and then help them get up. But the, Jesus clearly says, make sure you're clean to be able to help them get clean. Again, the blind leading the blind or the clean should be leading the clean. Humility, therefore, is not critical. Second Peter 3.17 says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with, er with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And here's the, the, the chapter, verse 18. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. As we walk in humility, we're more concerned with our own walk. We, we realize that we need to fix our own issues first than we are with the small flaws that we see in somebody else. Humility is not critical, but the other thing is humility realizes there's a need for our own growth. Uh, Luke 6, 43. I'm on the wrong page there. 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For, the th for of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. As a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his own of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil for of the abundance of his of the heart his mouth speaketh chances are if if you're here in church you want to see good fruit produced uh, you, you you're making an effort you you want to have good fruit as the Bible says, consider the way that you act, the things that you see, say, the things that you do, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you talk. Uh, that's, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. You want to know where somebody's heart is? Watch them. Watch how they act. Watch how they react. Watch how they talk. Uh, my, my old pastor in Ohio used to say, what's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. If, if the well is full of good water, clean water, when you bring it up, you got good, clean water. If it's sewage and everything down there, guess what's coming up? Not clean water. Sewage is coming up. What's in our heart is going to be what's coming out. And we, unfortunately, as, as Christians, we've learned really good how to shine the top of our sewage that's in the heart. We, we, we've learned how to be one way in the world, but then on, on Sunday we can kind of shine it and polish it and pour some water on top and hope it stays on the top of the bucket. So everybody sees the nice clean water, just don't, don't put the cup too far down into the bucket. We need to make sure that our heart is clean and and. In, through humility, we realize that we all need to grow. Pastor says it all the time. After a lot of messages of prayer, of, of reading your Bible, we, we always can do more. We can always grow. 
And every humble Christian will recognize the importance of inward growth. You, you will realize and continually ask the Lord to show you areas in your life that you need to improve. Psalms 139, 23, and 24, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. 26.2 in Psalms says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. When we see harmful fruit as a Christian walking in humility, and God points out areas we need to change, either through our own Bible study, or when we're here at church and, and pastor gets up and tells you from the word of God something that you know you don't follow or something you know you're not doing. A Christian that has Christ as his Lord, as his master, and is humble will change it. Because it's not the pastor, it's not me saying something that you need to change. It's this. And therein lies the biggest problem. Where does this stand in your authority in your life? Is this the word of God? Do you treat it as the word of God? If, if somebody comes to you with a passage that tells you you should stop smoking or stop drinking, because it doesn't really have any specifics on smoking, we'll use drinking, and you drink regularly, are, are you realizing, well, that's what the Word of God says, that I, I need to stop. Or is it, well, you know, that's, that's for him. That's his decision. That's his idea. First Timothy, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, go ahead and turn to, no, First Thessalonians 2. Because the, the last thing that I want to look at is we need to build on truth. The Sermon of the Mount that Jesus is concluding here, he explained how necessary it is for us to build on truth. Uh, a pastor just, I shouldn't say finished, but is getting closer to finishing his edition. The first thing that he did was not build the walls, was not build the roof, he got Brian out there with an excavator to dig for a foundation and poured, what, what do we pour in to make foundation? Do we put sand? Do we put, concrete. we put concrete. Why, why do we use concrete? Because it's rock. It, it, if the uh, answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, they have a little uh, cartoon where you have one castle of creationism and one castle, castle of evolution, and they're shooting at each other, just a cartoon example. And one is shooting at the rock upon which the castle sits on, and one is shooting just at the other castle. Guess which one is going to win? If you don't have a foundation that your house or your castle sits on, it doesn't matter what kind of artillery you have on your castle. It's going to come crumbling down. And that's what Jesus specifically says about the, the, men, the man that builds his house upon a rock. That foundation in pastor's addition 
is the most important thing, looks the blandest. When when you got it when he got it done and he got it poured, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't see walls, I don't see rooms, you don't see a roof, it doesn't really excite you, but without that foundation, the rest of it means nothing. And as Christians, if we don't have our foundation in truth, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. It's just going to come crumbling down. It, we have to build and consent to the truth. You're there, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause we also... For this cause also we thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is, the tr as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There's so many, sadly, today that put man's word above God's word. And how I interpret it above what the actual word of God says or how I decide to change the word of God to be my word to fit what I want instead of having the word of God and that's why I'm saying is if you don't have the word of God as your foundation as you're realizing that no matter what my life does no matter what I choose to do if this book says change it I change it because if this is the word of God, that's the only thing I have to go on. If I don't see this as the word of God, then what's the point? What do I have the, the, if, again, as, as a lamp unto my feet, if, if this lamp looks as good as a lamp somebody else gives me, but that one's cheaper and it looks nicer. I'll, I'll use theirs, but the battery runs out. You have these, we, we, I put up a bunch of ceiling fans yesterday, and the, they all say LED, last 40 years. Well, you and I both know no, no bulb's going to be lasting 40 years. But the sad thing is in year two, when it does burn out, if you went to go try to get a new bulb from that manufacturer saying, hey, you, it's, it says here it was supposed to last 40 years, and I'm on year two. Yeah, sorry, some of them just don't work. Some of them have defects. We have a lamp and a light bulb that has no defects, doesn't run out, doesn't go dim, and yet we're so quick to go to another lamp. We're so quick to go to this this new book that this pastor wrote, it's got new insights. What, what was wrong with the old book? What was wrong with the old way? It worked for thousands of years for people, and they didn't have that new book, but yet they were stronger Christians back then. Are you a stronger, closer to God, walking in humility, Christ as your Lord Christian because of that new book or because of the word of God? And that's where the, the foundation comes to. If you don't build it off of truth, your house is going to crumble. And the, Jesus says there at the end, last phrase of verse 49, back in Luke 6, and the ruin of that house was great. When your house falls, 
because it's not on the foundation. It's not like, oh, that piece fell off. We'll just put it back. It's all right. Christ says that it's great. When your house falls apart, who, who's affected? Just you? Or is your family also affected? Are your neighbors affected? Are those around you affected? Don't forget your influence is more than you even imagine or understand. God puts you in a spot in a neighborhood for a reason, to have influence on those around you. God gave you a family and kids and, and those that you love and know in your family to have influence, to have the ability to lead with a foundation that is solid. When you're building a building, the most important project is, part of that project is the foundation. Laying the foundation may not seem as exciting as seeing the walls go up or the building go up, but with a good foundation, the walls will stay. With a bad foundation, the walls will sink or, or start to, you go to some of these new homes and you're like, you look down the side of the wall and it does this. It doesn't matter what the walls look like if the foundation isn't sure and isn't put on a, on a rock. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For the other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ which I don't understand how Catholics don't see that verse. It specifically says the foundation, the cornerstone is Christ, not Peter. We'll conclude. Plenty of Christians today live their life the way they want to. And in today's society, we have enough of them. We have enough churches that people just come to and call themselves Christians. I don't know if you're sick of it, but I'm sick of it. I, I'm sick of seeing churches that used to do something. When we go door knocking and somebody answers the door and, man, I, used to, I was a deacon at such and such. I'm still a deacon at such and such. We used to go door knocking. What happened? That foundation wasn't solid. Somebody came in and moved the house to a different foundation. When, when that church was started, it was started on a rock. But somebody came up with a new idea and decided that foundation isn't really that important. We'll move it to the, another spot. How about you? How about me? How's your foundation? How much of this are you having in your life? How much do you read during the week? Because without it, you don't have a foundation. I'm guilty. I know everybody, like Pastor says, we can all grow in, every, in prayer, in Bible reading. But how precious is this book to you? you? You talk about, if you've never read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, read it. Because there were men and women who were 
lived a life that they were willing to give everything, even their life, for this. And it wasn't even completed. A lot of them didn't even have all of it. We have the whole thing. And we just set it there after Sunday and we go about our day. Oh, yep, I got it. Sunday. Back on Sunday. Got a. Ooh, there's a. I don't know what bookmark that was, but we'll get that out. And Oh, there's a bulletin from four months ago. I don't need that anymore. How worn out is your Bible? You should take care of it, but how worn out is it? Is it in pristine where all the gold lettering and everything you can still see and it looks like it's, it's in the best shape? Or where you grab your Bible, is it worn out? Are the pages worn out from your thumbs? You know, the, the gold isn't there anymore because you've, you've flipped through it. Our foundation needs to be solid. And I'm tired of having Christianity just be a name and not mean something. Because one day we're going to be in the situation that the Fox's Book of Martyrs is going to be. That was. And if somebody, if police came in the back door and said, everybody needs to leave, we're, you're not allowed having church. How many people would stay and fight for that? Or how many, well, we just have to obey and do what we're told to do and shut down churches like they tried to do before. It was a test. How much can we stop people by just telling them they're not allowed to? Who's bigger? The God of your, of your faith or the government that you're on? Or under. Now we're supposed to obey the leaders that God puts in front of us. But the Bible specifically says, I'd rather obey God than man. Are you willing to give your life and shed your blood, shed your kids' bloods for this book? That's the stories that get me the most. It's the ones that the dad is, preacher's been put in prison and they said, you need to recount your faith. And he says, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. And they bring his kids. And they say, if you don't recount your faith, we're going to fillet these kids right in front of you. We're going to murder your children in front of you. How hard of a faith do you have to have in the word of God and in your God to be able to say, I'm sorry, son. I can't give it up. I don't know about you, but I'd have a hard time with that. But there were men and women that were, had so much faith that this meant so much. We take advantage of this so much. I take advantage of this so much. Don't forget, there's places around this world even now that died because they want one of these. And you've got three of them. Men, you don't even look at it during the week. Why do we wonder why this country is the way it is? It's because we don't care. 
We don't care what this word says. We, don't, we, we think of it as another book. It's God's word. And we need to make sure it's that way in our hearts. Is he Lord of your life? Or are you just playing Christian? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for today. God, I, I pray you break our hearts uh, to realize the importance of your word and that we learn to, to obey it and to do what it says, not just hear it. That we build our house upon a foundation that is you and not on sand and not on just this earth. God, I pray that you be with the next lesson, with pastor, be with uh, the next uh, uh, service. God, I pray that you fill them with your spirit and give us uh, something that we can use from your word and that we leave changed, not the same way we came in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.